Hey everybody, it's Michael. Today is a special episode. We have Danny Robertson on to talk guitars. Danny and I are both lifelong guitar players, and I thought it would be fun uh, to talk about our favorite guitarists, the people that we grew up admiring, uh, guitarists that we're into now, and the different reasons that we like them. Um, Danny's a great player. Uh, he was on the show before when we did our Simpsons episode. Uh, we're going to do a few of these episodes. And uh, as always, this was a fun conversation. Danny's a great guy, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, welcome hey. to the podcast, Danny. How are you doing? What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Yeah. Cool. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. You've been keeping busy? I see you guys have had some gigs. Yeah, yeah, we've been playing here and there. Um, it's been mostly acoustic stuff, which has been, you know, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably uh, it's probably about the only way most of us are going to make any money these days. Yeah, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I uh, I was told there was a certain club around here that wanted to they were wanting to hire a full band to provide their own sound. And pay him two hundred dollars for a whole show. Wow! I can't imagine who's going to go for that. Yeah, not most of us. Yeah, I'm not going to leave the house for that much. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah. Other than that, um, you know, just keeping busy. Plenty of school work to do. Yeah, what have you guys been working on? Uh, I've got a couple of big recording projects going on now. Um, nice. I have to, I have to do a sound alike, which I, you know, when I first heard about it, I thought that it was going to be a sound alike, like you hear on like TV shows, where like they don't want to license the actual song, so they just kind of get something that's kind of like it. Right. Uh, turns out it's nothing like that. It's actually supposed to be a note for note reproduction of the original song, like. We're oh, supposed wow. to pick a song and then try to recreate it as precisely close to the original production as possible. Wow. Which, it, uh, which songs did you go with? Well, I decided to try to go with something as straightforward as possible because it seems like one of those things that's like probably even harder than it sounds. Yeah. And uh, turns out it is. So luckily I picked Good by Better Than Ezra, which is super straightforward yeah and you're well versed in that song uh yeah i mean i've been covering it for you know decades yeah but uh i had a stroke of luck recently i found the producer of the original recording on facebook and i sent him a message oh wow and uh he got back to me he's got all kinds of tips for me that's cool so yeah i'm pretty stoked about that he said if, right. if, if he uh, if he had the original stems, he would send them to me. But it's been so long, and they and they did it all on tape back in the day. Yeah, it's not really doable. But he even like charted out some of the parts that are hard to hear. That's cool. Record, so I can actually really nail all the different stuff that's going on in the song. What were they like running back then? Were they using? I mean, I always thought they were. Were not they like Vox players or no? Um, uh, Kevin, the lead singer, has almost always run through a Mesa. 
And um, I think he's usually got um, a TS9 on his pedal board. Right. But uh, I want to say, he said that they they did some of the basic stuff somewhere else and brought it with them. And then he re-recorded some things and kept some other things. But uh, funny story, some of the guitar overdubs they did, he said they ended up uh, sending a 50-foot unbalanced quarter inch out the uh out the second story window <laughs> down to his jeep where they had a marshal inside the jeep with the windows rolled up like sort of a makeshift isolation boost what put a 57 on it in there and ran the mic cable all the way back up to the window on the second floor and that's and how, that's cr- that's how they did that's... the guitar overdubs that's insane, man. Because I mean, you listen to like you know the tones on that album, and like, I mean, it, they were never a band I associated with like super high volume, you know? Right. Like, it seemed you know they were kind of more of like a chimey kind of thing. Oh, for sure. And you can definitely tell like that first record came out before the loudness wars had started. Right. So like, if you were to a b it with a modern production, it, it's it's a good six decibels quieter but it's right. still you know the mix is really good and the tones are really nice i, I can't believe they managed to get uh, away with a cable run that long unbalanced with no discernible noise it's mind-boggling that's nuts man yeah i mean i i guess there's there really is something to tape you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so that's wild Lucky well, for that's... me, it's all Tellys and Les Pauls, and that's what I happen to have laying around. <laughs> yeah, that's like your arsenal, yeah. man. Like, full on. So, uh, basically, today I wanted to talk uh, guitarists. All right. I figured with, you know, the passing of Eddie Van Halen, you know, rest in power and everything, it'd be a good time to talk about, you know, our favorite guitar players who made us wanted to play why you know who who do we like now yeah so who was your first i would say your biggest guitar hero the guy you're like look if i could be like that that would be really cool oh well i mean you know what i'm gonna say i don't i don't know it's david gilmore all day okay Um, of course that that was the i mean you know i i was a child of the 80s and mm-hmm. I grew up with MTV, so like my first exposure to guitar work of any kind was that kind of flashy, like CC DeVille, just wild, shreddy kind of stuff. Right. But like, and that was like, that was Eddie Van Halen taken to like the worst extreme. Oh, for sure. Because you know? yeah. Eddie Van Halen himself, like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some like huge fan. Like, you know, I like the first Van Halen album. I appreciate other songs and certain records, but he wasn't that big an influence on me. But God damn it, if I'm not going to say he wasn't an influence on the guitar as a whole, oh, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, that's like, you know, that's like saying Eric Clapton isn't anything, or even Jimi Hendrix. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, he definitely made an enormous impact, but not so much, you know, excuse me, not so much on my playing in particular, but it would be insane not to acknowledge, like, the guy could play. I mean, oh yeah, he was. I mean, he was something else. Yeah, and he was. You know, 
I don't know if totally original, but certainly like that. As soon as you hear that guy, it's like, yeah, that's Eddie Van Halen. Like, yeah, and I mean, what's interesting to me is I don't really hear many people talk about um, what must have been a, a classical music influence on his playing. Like, if you listen to Eruption, there's there's clearly like some of those triads in the in the in the tapping sections are are definitely influenced by uh by classical composers and i think that came from like i think him and his brother like took piano lessons okay. so I, I i think their like classical piano is what kind of influenced that side of his playing and then i think a lot of people forget that you know you had uh brian may and queen oh yeah that totally brought a lot of that stuff He's another one I mean, of my to... favorites. But, yeah. You know, I'm a sucker for for uh, a tasty tone, you know. Right. And um, especially, like, a, a good neck pickup tone that's, like, smooth without getting muddy is right. it's, it's tricky to pull off. And, and I think Brian May and, and Clapton as well, you know, they're, they're able to they're able to get away with it. Now, some of that, obviously, when it comes to recordings, the engineers and producers have something to do with that. But, I mean, they got to have something good to work with from the start or it's not going to sound that good ever. Yeah. And I think Dave Gilmore is a perfect example of that, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you take, like, the comfortably known Part 2 solo. That has to be neck pickup, right? I mean, at least partly. Uh, yeah. And the um, the another brick in the wall solo, that's all. That's what that's, I was thinking. That's what I was thinking of. I'm sorry, I meant brick in the wall. Yeah, that's a that's the. You know, everybody yeah. when you when you say Dave Gilmore, if you picture him holding guitar a guitar, it's probably going to be that black Strat, for sure, or maybe the Candy Apple Red one. But it's going to be a Strat in your mind most of the time. Well, I, recently I yeah, I always think of him. That uh, he he played a Les Paul on that solo. On, com- on not comfortably known, but uh, on uh, Brick in the Wall. Yeah, Brick in the Wall Part Two. It's a it's a gold top Les Paul with P nineties, and he's using the neck pickup on that. Huh. I guess I can hear that because I've heard like the live record of him doing the wall, and I think he's playing the strat on that. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's a it's a very it's it's subtle, but if you're like us and you're a nerd, you hear those like. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, it's um, it's interesting that, you know, because Les Pauls have such a distinctive sound, but most of them, like the vast majority, have those humbuckers in them, you know, right. either the PAFs or, or the burst buckers. And, yeah. and P90s, which I've personally never been a huge fan of, but they're just, mm-hmm. they're kind of obnoxious, in my opinion. Plus, they're noisy. <laughs> Well, P yeah, like P nineties to me, you know, it's a cool rhythm pickup. Mm-hmm. Like if you're primarily looking for like a hot rhythm pickup, like I know that's become like kind of like Billy Joe Armstrong's thing. Yeah, and like Latter Day Green Day, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I associate with P nineties. But they've also kind of become this like pickup that I think it's it's almost like a, well, I use P nineties, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of a. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm a P90 guy. Like, Not one of those and I've seen mainstream him... humbucker dudes. 
Right. And it's like, dude, who cares? Like, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Like, but. I guess what does so it Dave... for me with Gilmore, though, it's like he's got uh, this sort of patience that is missing from a lot of other guys playing. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, he just takes his time. And I've always said, like, Dave Gilmore can say more with one slow bend than uh, Ingve can say with, you know, 500 notes crammed into four bars. Yeah. And that's, you know, in that argument, I'm totally in agree. I've never been a, a Malmsteen guy. Like, I don't know. He, he you know, of the shred type players, he was definitely like my least favorite. I've only heard a little bit of his stuff, but that's just because what I have heard has kind of turned me off. Like, you know, right. it's, it's it's kind of like the Van Halen thing where, you know, I've got, I, I can respect the his ability. I mean, I would never, mm-hmm. I would never sit there and say, oh, that, that guy sucks just because I don't like what he does. You know, right. he doesn't and suck. I'm not saying it's, that. It's not for me, man. Yeah, like, I just can't listen to that stuff, like. Yeah. yeah. Oh. My uh, future wife popped in. Oh, hey, Emily. Danny says, hey. Hey. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go get my hair trial for the wedding. Okay. Have fun. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Because for me, like, when I was a kid, my introduction to that sort of, like, shred style playing was, like, do you ever hear that G3 album? G3? Or, or heard of G3? That doesn't sound familiar. G3 was Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, and Eric Johnson. And all three uh. of them went on tour together. Um. And they each would do a set of like, you know, four or five songs. And, you know, as a young, impressionable youth, like when I heard that stuff, I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's like a shredding extravaganza. Yeah. And I mean, of the three now, I would probably say my favorite would be Eric Johnson, just because he's... You know, he's a little more of, of what I like to play, which is a little more tasteful. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that. You know, um, his uh, like I, I was in a, a sort of a band that never really got off the ground when I was back in Charleston. And mm. uh, my, my friend Lee was a huge Eric Johnson fan. So we covered Cliffs of Dover. And, you know, oh, yeah. he was one of those guys that like really he was really soft spoken. You would never guess that he was this killer guitar player. But then. Right, you know, he'll pick up a, a strat and just note for note, just nail Cliffs of Dover all the way through. And yeah, I mean, that was like a rite of passage, man. I mean, that that's one of those songs I had to learn when I started working at School of Rock. Is my, you know, I'd have like three or four students that were like, "Hey, can I learn Cliffs of Dover?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> "How much time do you well, have?" <laughs> yeah, like, well, you you realize that's going to be like a a month long thing, man. <laughs> like, if not more, yeah, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's one of those, like, I, I go through and like kind of 
practice certain parts of it every once in a while just because it, it is fun to play. Yeah, I should probably sit down with it because yeah. you know I haven't I haven't even looked at it in so long, and, and my playing is not my playing is much further along now than it was the last time I looked at it. So maybe it would be worth another another attempt. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's fun to play, man. Especially when you get to like that. I guess you would call it the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know, with those cool like arpeggios and stuff, like it, it makes you smile a little bit. You're like, all right, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't, it, I don't. It takes you back to that like early '90s like video of people driving through, you know, the desert and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, you think of like like a rock or some shit. People <laughs> driving. Uh, it's just got that sort of just like naive optimism to it, but it's, it's fun, you know, <laughs> like a rock always without fail will make me picture like a silver pickup truck sitting in the middle of the desert for no apparent reason. <laughs> How can it not like, and what are they doing out there? They're not doing anything. You know, it's like they got like equipment in the back. It's just fucking like a rock. It's driving across the highway. <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, so who would, after David Gilmore, kind of like, who was like your next, like, big guitar guy? Oh, um, I think after him, um, probably Billy Gibbons. For me. Billy Gibbons. I love Billy I remember Gibbons. you saying you loved, like, ZZ Top was pretty big for you and your dad, right? Oh, yeah. My dad turned me on to ZZ Top. He was a huge fan when I was coming up. So, like, that, that stuff was, there was always a ZZ Top cassette in, playing in the car, you know? And, yeah, um, like Eliminator, right? Oh god, is that the name of the album with like the car? Eliminator or or Afterburner? It was one of those eighties yeah. ones that is really yeah. cheesy, but mm-hmm. like even, awesome. even with all the you know mountains of gated reverb on on the drums and uh, you know the the production is is as eighties as it gets, but the guitar yeah. still sounds amazing. Uh, well. You know, it, what's his Les Paul Pearly Gates? That's like Billy Gibbons, like le- legendary Les Paul. Yeah, like that's like his like sunburst. Yeah, he just I mean like signature. Even even though he recycles a lot of stuff, it's like right. he he recycles really good stuff. Like I don't mind hearing the same lick in five right. songs on the same album. You know, it's because it's just he's that just good. got soul, man. He's just got that like. That swagger about yeah. it. Yeah. I love his cool. articulation too. Like, he's in total control mm-hmm. of his picking hand. And, like, you know, like a lot of us are excited when we figure out how to make a pinch harmonic happen when we want it to. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he's, I mean, he's so far beyond that. Like, not only can he do it at will, but knows yeah. exactly which part of the string near the pickups to hit to make it. Right the note that he wants i mean it's it's bananas yeah and it's like i i don't know like i always have this fantasy of like one day you know i'll be in a studio and i'll be able to play through some you know 70s marshall completely cranked yeah. and like get that sort of <laughs> get that sort of experience but it's like no that's that's not gonna happen man <laughs> But Billy Gibbons could probably do it through, you know, a 10-watt pig nose. It doesn't matter. Yeah. In fact, I think some of those tones on the album, I want to say it was Afterburner. Like, there was this, um, I think it was called like a Rockman or something. 
The Rock Man. Yeah, that's the Boston yeah. thing. Like Tom Schultz had the Rock Man. Like, it and was that's like the Walkman, but it was a guitar amp. Like yeah. it had headphones and you just plugged your guitar into it. Um, it was like the pod, but like, yeah. you know, 70s, 80s. And it was very specific to that sound. Yeah. Um, apparently, a lot of the tones on that album are just straight out of one of those run direct into the board. And that's, you know, shit like that is just crazy to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with like Beatles albums that they were just running through the board, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nuts. But, but, you know, it's just like, it's just like you said, um, if it sounds good, it sounds good. Um, yeah. And, you know, they are writing, you know, the best songs ever written exactly. alongside that, you know? <laughs> I think that, that makes up for a lot of it. But, uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll start with my first guitar. Yeah, what you got? Hero guy. Uh, I don't know. People can flag me, whatever. <laughs> my first big guitar hero was Trey Anastasio of Fish. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, he was the first, like, real guitar guy I saw live. Okay. Because um, my older brothers took me to a Fish show when I was, like, 11 and they were playing at the amphitheater, and the guy just blew my mind, man. He's a great all-round player. Um, you know, I think a lot of people kind of give him a lot of flack just because, you know, fish is fish, and fish has their fan base. Yeah, well, they're an easy target, you know, and their fans help them yeah. become an easy target. But everything right. I've ever seen out of Trey Anastasio, as, as far as guitar playing goes, has been mind-blowing. I mean, that guy's incredible. He's a great player. Yeah. Like, and he's a great all-round player. I mean, this is the guy that, like, you know, they can get up and improvise an entire set if they want to, or they've gone up and done the entire Beatles' White Album. Wow. You know? They live by that sort of, like, insane methodology in their head where, like, yeah, you should be able to just make something totally out of the air or you know they i think they did a uh, dark side of the moon one night as a surprise <laughs> oh my god i would have <laughs> lost my mind and it was like on some like random you know tour spot that they just you know did that shit and this was a long time before that became like a commonplace thing like i feel like a lot of bands go out and do their full records now yeah but you know fish every halloween i mean they did the white album they did remain in light by the talking heads uh, wait, most recently, I think it was they did Exile Main Street by the Stones, just a lot of like cool stuff. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you know, luckily for them, you know, they could probably get away with doing that. And they, you know, they yeah. could play uh, an entire album as a like a little treat for their fans. And that means that you know, time wise, they only have to cut one or two of their own songs, right? You know, I mean, I, I think they did. Yeah, I mean, that was back when they were doing, like, four-hour shows, stuff like that. Just crazy. I don't you know? know. How do they have the stamina for that? I mean, can you imagine being on yeah. tour and doing that every night? I I can't. Like, I really can't. I don't know, man. I mean, like, maybe it's just I'm getting older, but, like, I've never seen pictures of any of them sitting down. So how, right. how are they doing this? <laughs> I don't know, man. They just, they love it that much. Like, but, you know, that what I took away from him was just like, they were very open minded. Like, I used to love reading interviews with him. And, you know, that's how I got into stuff like bluegrass or 
uh, jazz even. And, you know, they, they would name drop stuff that nobody else was listening to, you know, at that time, at least, you know, even Zappa and stuff is, I got into him through fish. Oh, cool. And they were huge fans of his. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely an acquired taste. I I was probably going to bring him up, you know, eventually. Um, but yeah, that that makes sense that the guys in Fish would would get what what Zappa was doing. Yeah, I mean that was like certainly early on. Like if I sent you like a little playlist of Fish, like it would be probably the earlier stuff because it was more in that kind of like progressive rock vein. Right. You know, they have a lot of kind of silly lyrics and stuff, and I'm not going to say or disagree about that, but. Certainly, from a musician standpoint, early on, they were doing some pretty cool stuff. So, that was my first guy. Who was your, I guess, your next? Well, since we mentioned Zappa. um, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like, his... My buddy that I mentioned earlier that, that was an Eric Johnson fan um, hated Zappa. Couldn't he just couldn't wrap his mind around what he was hearing because huh. you know the conventional structure that we're all accustomed to Zappa throws right, right out the window. It not yeah, I mean he was not be he was the antithesis yeah. of that, and I don't think it was as. It, it's it can come off as kind of malicious, but I really don't think that it was. I, I don't think he necessarily no. had a problem with the idea of you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge double chorus, but like I, he just didn't care to restrict himself to that to any kind of format, and that extended his playing too. I mean, if you really break yeah. down some of his leads. Um, and it's cool. You can find it on like YouTube and stuff. Dweezil has done a lot of videos, just kind of like breaking down his dad's technique. And a lot of it is still minor, minor pentatonic, just like everybody else. He just does it differently. Right. And, you know, like, and he'll work in like whole tone scales, which right. is hard to do. But the only thing that makes it hard is the fact that it sounds so weird. But if you stop caring what sounds about what sounds weird, it's it becomes easier to do. Yeah, and it's you just realize it's another, um, I guess feeling that you can express. Yeah. Like most of the time, we're dealing in sort of that melodic, like okay, major, happy, minor, sad. Uh, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're adding in whole tone. It's almost like, you know, whole tone diminished, augmented. I guess traditionally they occupy that like confused feeling but right it doesn't have to necessarily just be in that vein well yeah i mean if, even if you just distill it down to the the concept of, of tension and release uh mm-hmm. you can achieve that in all sorts of ways you know right uh, you can you can achieve that rhythmically melodically uh you know it doesn't like you were saying, like it doesn't have to be, you know, minor sad, major happy. There's there's all kinds of ways you can intentionally 
introduce like discomfort to a piece and then you know resolve it if you feel like it or don't resolve it you know but as right. long as as long as the emotion is conveyed that's really all that matters and uh yeah and i think frank was very much interested in rhythmic uh variation oh for maybe sure. more so than melodic yeah i think that's probably um, why he was able like there's no such thing as a, a bad Zappa drummer, you know, like no. <laughs> every single oh, one of God, them is no. a madman. Uh, Caliudo, yeah. Bozio, I mean, and, and they had to be able to keep up with his insanity, you know? Yeah. Time changes all I mean, over the all... place. The The rhythmic patterns of, of his leads are, I mean, it's chaos. Yeah, but it it also looks like it was really fun. Like those guys had to have been having a blast. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember you know reading an interview with him, and he said, you know, I mean, being in this band is you know it's it's akin to like being in like a musical army. Like <laughs> he expects this every night, and you know you're either gonna do it or you're gonna you know see you later. Like right. there was really no in between. Like <coughs> excuse me, bless you. Bless. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Frank, uh, it, we, yeah, we could do a whole episode on Frank. Yeah, but, we really could. So, <laughs> but, uh, Frank, Frank is another <laughs> one that, you know, hmm. I, I always felt like Frank was kind of like the gateway to like other, I, I, I loved exploring the influences of somebody like Frank Zappa, you know, right. like sort of like the modern composers he was into, uh, you know, he, even later in his life, he was big into like sort of like Indian string music, and you know, and not like the cheesy like what what you imagine that to be. Right. He was into some some neat stuff. So. Yeah, he very cool. He did some really weird stuff. Like, um, I was reading about how most of the leads that you hear on the studio albums were not recorded specifically for the album. They're... Yeah, you take stuff from the concert yeah. and then put it on the album, and and you know sometimes vice versa. That I'm I'm particularly impressed with, not just for the fact that you know the the lead's already there, and you have to get the rhythm section to sort of play around it, but the um the the quality of of the of the recording for it to be transferred from a live recording and then mixed into a studio recording and it to be just this seamless transition. That's no small feat, especially for the time period that we're dealing with, you know? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine walking into like the Frank Zappa vault? I, I, uh, like just the, <laughs> the, the amount of just like tapes or reels of what, you know? Like, yeah. And, you know, I, I, and tape was really expensive back then too. Yeah, I mean, it had to be like walking into like you know the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, where like they're fucking wheeling the thing. Exactly. It has to be like that, but like in his basement, you know. It's nuts. Like, I don't know. That's he. You know, he was like his own like corporation, literally. Like, yeah, I I don't know how he like, pulled off most of that stuff. I mean, and I feel bad too because obviously so much. So much effort went in 
to the Xenochronus solos. Uh, right. But then it, my favorite one is the only, like, the only guitar solo that was recorded specifically for uh, Joe's Garage is right. my favorite one um, of his. Right. And that's Watermelon and Easter Hay. And I, I mean, wonder it's... if that pisses him, if that ever pissed him off that like he specifically <laughs> avoided doing this one thing for so long and finally just did it and it turned out to be the best thing he ever did. Right. Well, I think that happens to a lot of uh, artists. Like usually the thing you don't expect to be, you know, the, the winner ends up being the winner. Yeah. Because it's that's that's what's crazy about music. It's just how subjective it is, and you know, it's almost like a an endless experiment. You're just seeing how people react to it. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. That's one of those things. So who else? Who else? What else we got on? Got on the roster. Uh. I think Billy Corgan was probably a big influence for us. Oh, for sure. And, I, you know, I became a Pumpkins fan um, late in the game. Like, mm. I was, well, let's see. When did, uh, when did Siamese Dream come out? Was that 93 or 95? 93, I think. It was 93 was Siamese Dream, and then 95 is Melancholy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, okay, yeah, July 27th, 93. So I would have been uh, 10 years old when Siamese Dream came out. So a little on the young side, uh, I would say, you know, for, I guess that that's a, it's an okay excuse for why I didn't appreciate it when it happened. Um, oh, I mean, no, I was like eight. Like, Siamese Dream was like my first, like, CD. I remember that being a big oh, deal. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, I don't yeah. know what I don't know. I must like, have been on some bullshit. I don't know what was going on, but like I remember Siamese Dream being a, like I remember watching a video for today, and then a couple years <laughs> later, I remember Melancholy being like the biggest album in the world. And I just at that time, I didn't get it. But then what? ten years later, I went back and listened to it again, and I was I just kicked myself for having wasted yeah. the last 10 years not enjoying those those two albums in particular. Well, that's, I mean, that was sort of like the record, like, as a kid that, like, you know, knowing nothing about music, I really sort of, like, uh, caterpillared my way through. You know, I remember, like, I used to listen to Cherub Rock over and over and mm -hmm. over. I used to listen to Day over and over and over. I liked Quiet, um, but it took me a long time to, to get into stuff like... Uh, What's the really slow one? Is that Soma? Um, yeah, Soma's yeah, like, Soma's really long and it's got like two yeah. different like movements to it. Um, right, and that was like, I remember you know when I it finally hit me like I was like, man, this song is fucking awesome. Yeah, Soma's I don't know why. I don't know why it's so cool, but that guitar sounds really neat. Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> um, you know um, what I the one that I think is like the most fun song on that record was never released <laughs> as a single and i don't know why but that's geek, geek usa hey man i i how did i know you were gonna say it's that just shit? so like, fun i fucking love that song yeah it rocks yeah. man it, it really does yeah that's one i i didn't really 
appreciate Geek USA as much until I was in like my teens. Um, and I was just like, man, that song is hilarious. Like, it's so you know? great. Yeah. And, I, and, and, it's, and it's, I wonder why, you know, there, there was definitely some sort of shift for Billy Corgan between, well, somewhere between Siamese Dream or, yeah, Siamese Dream and, uh, what was between Siamese Dream and Melancholy? Pisces Iscariot. Oh, uh, that's right. Is is like the compilation of like their B sides and like that has like you know like the yeah, landslide, landslide acoustic I, yeah whatever. But I, I don't yeah. know how that managed to get any traction. Honestly, I, the, it was already a huge hit. And it just got on the radio, man. There's nothing we can do about it. It's kind of like Last Kiss from Pearl Jam. It's, it happened, yeah. you know. It's just, it's so just weird because, like, yeah. the biggest problem. Although Landslide have... is much better. Go ahead. Landslide is much better than Last Kiss. I will say that. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. It's just. The, the Smashing Pumpkins version of it. I mean, at least has a nice, like, acoustic solo in yeah. it. Um. But that's really the only thing I like about it. Yeah, it's just what's weird to me is that landslide. Uh, you know, the pe- people's biggest problem, for the most part, with Billy Corgan is his vocals. I mean, by and large, that's right. that's what people. I'll hear people say, "Yeah, I mean, they're, they're 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 good songs, but I can't stand his voice." And I get it; it's not for everybody. But then for them to have a hit of a song like landslide, which is, I mean. Well, it's one of his better vocal performances, oddly enough. Like, he actually, sent, to me, sounds really good on that song. Yeah, I mean, um, I just, just, I, the song just irritates me, you know. I guess I've been... But he actually sounds really good at I've it. I've been thinking about it more and more because I've, I've been doing these... I've had rehearsal every Wednesday for the last couple of weeks, and will until Halloween, because I'm, I'm getting ready to do a, um, a Fleetwood Mac, like, tribute set. And cool. like every time that song comes up, it's great for me because I get to take a break on that one. We have a we have right. a guy playing violin for the lead, so I don't have anything oh, cool. to do. That's usually my smoke break song. But I, right, I'm listening, and you know the girl we have singing it is fantastic. But every time they sure. get to that song in rehearsal, all I can think of is like, man, how did Billy Corgan pull off a hit? With his voice doing this song, it just it blows my mind. He really, he really leans into like the feminine aspect. I think, yeah, you know, and that was sort of like his thing. Was like you know the, the little like angels and all that stuff. Like especially then, mm-hmm. you know, he had like the long hair and everything, and he kind of leaned into that whole like neo hippie deal. And then you get to melancholy, and he's like, "Oh fuck it, I'm metal." Yeah, <laughs> you that's, know? And that's, I was working my way towards <laughs> that because, like, right, you look at him from like the early '90s, and he's you know curly-haired right. and paisley everywhere with a strat, and it's 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 right. a look, you know, right? What happened between that and when he turns into? he starts wearing these weird dresses and, you know, he's, he's now shaved his head. Uh, I, I don't know if what, there must've been some kind of endorsement deal from Gibson or something. Cause you never saw him with a strap. It was, 
it was hair loss. Is that all it was? Was like why he. That's why he he like shaved his head. Okay, you know, like he started his hair started thinning, you know, pretty aggressively. So he did shave his head. Huh. Um, he actually, I mean, if you watch like live footage in the Melancholy era, he still would play his strat. You know, it, the silver strat. Yeah. Uh, it's just whenever they would do videos, you tend to play other guitars. Like that's what you can see him with like a a three thirty five yeah. or you know whatever weird instrument he had laying around. And then certainly once you get to like, you know, Machina and all that stuff, that was just like off the rails type shit. (laughs) What a strange album that is. Yeah. There is some good stuff on there. Like I don't particularly like the album as a whole, but there are are some bright spots on it. Uh, Perfect. There's a lot of cool tones and textures. Perfect is on a door, oh, which I right. like a lot, a lot more than Machina. Um, overall, I miss the drums on on a door. But, yeah, I mean, I, I see. I I do. don't. I think, I think the drumming is fine on it for what those songs are. Like, I think if Jimmy Chamberlain was still on the band, it it wouldn't have been that different. Mm. Um, I'll, it might have affected like maybe the. Uh, I don't know. Like, it wouldn't be as like much of a downer album, right? If he had been on it, like the mood of the songs and stuff. But I, I really think they would have quieted down a lot. Still, yeah. There's definitely just a different energy that... with live acoustic drums than with the sequencing that you get on a door. And I just always really right. enjoyed Chamberlain's energy. Oh. I mean, by all means, like, I love his drumming. And, you know, that's probably that's one of my favorite aspects of Machina is his drumming with some of that sequencing together. Mm. And it's, I mean, there's some cool, you know, I, I forget what the song is. It's sort of like the answer to Apples and Oranges from a door, but they do this, like, sort of like drum beat thing. And I don't know. It's On cool. Machina? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what the hell is that called? Let's have a look. So it's another one of those like sunflowers or whatever, you know, like oh, raindrops and they would always have shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's a, I think there's a song called Apples and Oranges on uh, a door. Oh, okay. And then the sun was like the answer song to that. Yeah. So I mean, cool stuff. I like stuff like that. I, I liked like the front third of that album. Like, there's a couple of really right. cool stuff. Like. Um, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Eye of the Morning has like a, some pretty tasty, uh, bass guitar in it. The delay in that song is fucking awesome. Like just the wide delay when that first rhythm guitar kicks yeah. in. You know, it sounds great. I wish Everlasting Gaze was not the first song on the album because yeah. The bridge is it has not aged. The bridge well. is so over the top, like it becomes yeah. a caricature. And, I, and they wanted it to, but it was like the worst part of that, you know. And then the you know with the, the, video, the same with thing smashing the guitars. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, what is this? It was. It, they're trying to be ironic, and it's just bad. You know, yeah, that's not good. I, but yeah, it was not. Stand inside your love saves it for me. Fucking awesome I love song. That I mean, song. 
Yeah, and that's that's probably James Eha's like greatest recorded solo. Yeah, you know, for the longest time, I, I thought that he was like the lead guitarist until I started watching right. some live stuff. That's I didn't even realize that Billy Corgan was this badass guitar player. Like that dude. Oh yeah, he could shred his ass nuts. off. I mean, if he heard us talking shit about Ying Mei Malmsteen, he'd come in and kick our ass because he fucking loves. Oh Ying really? Mei. But you know, yeah. Like, that's like his dude, but it's just not my thing. Yeah. I enjoy Billy's playing but, uh, more than Ingbe's. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Billy's a pretty multifaceted player, and that's what I always appreciated. You know, like, Porcelina of the Oceans is, like, one of my all-time favorites. Like, Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. The, the fucking... That's how you do a seven-minute song and make it right. cool. I've always just really loved the uh, uh, just the chord voicings in that one. Like that's one. Yeah, of, that's that's kind of one of my favorite things about the way he plays. Like he he'll find interesting ways to to play what would be like a basic chord, but he'll do it in some other position with some other shape. It just well, it's, it up. you know, it's funny, like, we we were kind of playing in that Cranberries thing for a while, and, like, Porcelina of the Oceans, like, it's the same exact chord as, like, that song Empty. Yeah. By the uh-huh. Cranberries. It's, like, it, if it was played just straight, those would be the identical. But what makes it work is the way he layers the guitars in. There's that cool kind of phase effect going oh, on. Oh, wait, was it Empty or was it the um, Icicle Melts? Because I... That's yeah, icicle melts. It's I'm got sorry. That a major to yeah. I don't know if it was diminished yeah. or something, but the, those are that's straight out of Porcelina. Yeah, it's a, it's a major, a sus, whatever to C major, C major seven. Yeah. I guess technically, but like done, you know, in a cool way. I mean, I, I love it when you you know. It's like seeing a, a movie that shows you a different way of the same sort of scene you've seen yeah. before. You know? So, yeah, that's Billy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just, yeah, even in Chair of Rock, like, uh, when he, after that main riff, that D to... Uh, D to A, you know, most people wouldn't, you know, yeah. like, oh, well, I want the next, I want the progression to go, you know, just D to A. You would just play those chords the way you've been playing them forever. Not Billy Corgan. Right. This guy's no. like, well, I'm already playing this octave here in ninth position. Why don't I just add the root and that's the chord now? Yeah. And I mean, still having that sort of like thought process when they, I mean, those guys were blaring through fucking Marshalls with a big muff, you know, yeah. <laughs> on fucking 10. Like, oh, and he had some wild. So, kudos to them. Too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you see him live and he, he scales it back a lot, but definitely in the studio, they were using everything under the yeah, sun. Yeah. I think the live stuff, um, he used one of those, uh, I mean, it was pretty advanced for the time, I would imagine. But I think he used, like, a MIDI controller 
to like sequence yeah, his pedals. Like a Bradshaw, you know, it would be type system. Um, what is it? What's the popular one nowadays? Um, not the axe, like a axe effect. Yeah, one of those things where there's like the helix individual uh, loops for analog pedals, and then you have a MIDI controller that switches the loops on and off as as needed. Yeah. <clears throat> Which has basically become like the norm. I mean, I, you know, I, I always look at pedal pictures on a, you know, Instagram and stuff. And like every single person's got one of those now yeah. like, to where they'll have, you know, three or four effects on one thing and set up through that MIDI controller. And it's smart, man. I mean, I get it. I wish MIDI controllers weren't as expensive like, as they are. When you consider what they it, do is so basic i feel like we're getting ripped off yeah i mean it's gotten more affordable um boss has made a few that are a little a little more cost sensitive and uh you know they have one of them i think is pretty cool because it has instead of just being a midi it also has some effects in it itself so i saw yeah i saw um a, a video of somebody doing a pedal board and like he was able to get rid of like his delay and reverb pedal. Like he's like, well, shit, I already have boss reverb and delay in this nice. thing, so I can really. Because he was trying to, he was going on tour in like Europe or something, and he wanted like a pedal board that could fit like you know in his briefcase <clears throat> or whatever. So he really scaled back and was still able to kind of have different patches and stuff by using that. So I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. You know. Yeah, I you know. So uh, I'm still in this continuous uh, phase of of needing to clean off my entire pedal board and start from scratch. <laughs> you know, I always right. need to do that, but I never, even right after I do it, I need to do it. You know, I can't seem to get it right. exactly the way I want it to be ever. But uh, well, I mean, someday. I think every I think every guitar player is always going through that until they get a helix. In some aspect, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, even with the helix, I'm constantly, you know, switching up when I'm using. It just depends. Yeah, but at least you don't have to uh, fuck around with any Velcro or dual lock. You don't have to scrape any glue off of your pedal board. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I try to try to wipe it off every once in a while, and yeah, no, I, I mean. You know, sorry, purists. I use a line six. Hey, I'm like, getting closer to pulling the trigger. Whatever. Every day, man. I, it sounds good, and it's a really useful tool, which all music gear yeah. is. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like it's the greatest invention ever made, because you know something else. Like any technology, it's going to be outdated in five years, but it's been great, and I love it. I also worry about the foot switches too, yeah. because that seems to be the. Oh, they've held yeah. up, man. I mean, I've, I've, I've stomped on those motherfuckers. That's what I thought too. Like I thought, like within, I don't know, two to three years, like one of these are going to go to shit. It's held up, man. Mm. I just so, seem to have a, a lot of a lot, a lot line six. It's been a big like sorry. a recurring problem for for me and my pedals. Like I don't stomp on my pedals particularly hard, but uh, right every time a pedal goes down, it's because the foot switch crapped out. And for right for one single pedal, it's probably not going to be a showstopper. But right. I mean, what what if? 
what if it's on this all-in-one unit and it, it I, I worry that you know like if i if i if i'm down a switch I, what if i now i can't play the kit you know uh i mean then you the cool thing about the helix is like well shit i'm down a switch you could still configure it to where like you could say okay what what you can switch up where stuff is as far as what you know what switch it was so if you're like, oh, fuck it, you know, that sucks. I, can't, I don't have that flanger on that switch anymore. It's fine. I'll move it over here. Oh, yeah. I guess you do have, uh, like, options on how to navigate all that stuff. Yeah. The only thing I would – the thing I think that would really suck if it went down would be, like, a tuning option. That would fucking oh, yeah. suck. If that one goes down, then you're in trouble. But, you know, you live and you learn. And, I, you know, I can – happily say it's 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 held up to the the rigors of weekend worrying worrying nice. <laughs> you know <laughs> uh so what else do we got what's your uh your next oh guitar? let's Hero see guy. who else or girl i'm sorry guitar players we're trying to be pc well, here i i can i can name some female guitar players i like like Lindsay l jennifer batten um are two of my favorite players. Why can't I remember her name? Um, hang on. Which which one of the Wilson sisters is it? Uh, uh, is it Nancy. Nancy that's a badass? Nancy is the oh, guitar yeah. songwriter, and then I think Anne... And the, the vocalist. And Nancy's Nancy, fucking awesome. I saw Heart live. Yeah. I think it was I think it was last year. And cool. man. She was amazing. Yeah. No, I mean she's a great player. Like I you would you know, most people would not know that about her, but she can really, yeah. really play. She's a great finger style player. Um she's awesome. Uh, that's one thing I've I have yet to really wrap my head around. I don't, I don't really know how to teach my right hand that sort of independence, like Travis picking stuff like that. I just can't seem to integrate all of the fingers on this hand. Same here, man. I mean, I I gave up on trying to, to really master that aspect of it. It's just not something I'm good at. Well, that makes you feel a little better. I decided to let it go. There was a song on the, on the, yeah, I mean, um, Fleetwood Mac set list we had to cut unless we can get somebody else in to play it because it's just out of my reach. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when you get into that finger style thing, that like kind of just takes over, you know. But people that are really good to that, even like Mark Knopfler, is just an all finger style <laughs> player. Um, oh yeah, he's another one. Holy and, shit! Yeah. I have, yeah, that's another full. I have a newfound respect for Lindsey Buckingham after all these rehearsals. Dude, Lindsey Buckingham could play his ass off, and you know he was a hell of a studio musician. Yeah, like you listen to how he layered his guitars on like Rumors and Tusk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he really had an ear for that stuff, man. Yeah, and he's another one that like is is definitely not in your face about it, but. There's, right. There's all these little things going on all across the 
the um, the spectrum, and you know when you right. blend them all together, it's really something. And it's, there's just something about the way he approaches playing guitar that I I haven't encountered before. It's really it's really taken it's right. it's been a challenge for me to to uh, learn all of these parts, and they're they're not like, yeah. perfect at all. Like some of it, were I'm just I'm getting through it. You, you do your best approximation on some of those songs, man. Cause I, I mean, they can't even do all, I mean, he's playing like that, like resonator That's hybrid guitar, guitar you know? Yeah. It sounds cool as shit. It's, it's awesome. But like, that's a very specific instrument, you know, not most of us have our strats, Les Paul Tellies. Yeah. We don't have that. You know? Yeah. For, for this one, <laughs> I have to use like the most versatile guitar I have, which is that silver telly with the Sir humbuckers. And the, right. the coil taps, you right. know, so I can I can usually get love that guitar. Just about, I can get an approximation of, of whatever I need out of that one, one way or another. Right. <clears throat> but uh, well, good. I also forgot about their yeah, stuff. Uh, like little lies and everywhere, like little lies. Dude, that's a that fun song, little jam, a fuck, but it is eighties as what fun. a cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. I love like the synth melody and stuff. Like it's so great, man. Yeah, that one's one of my favorites in the in the list. That is a guilty pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. we were just talking like, about that at rehearsal about how much pretty much all of us love that song, but we probably wouldn't advertise it to anybody. Yeah. And and yet here I am. Yeah, like I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'll tell the whole world like Christy McVie fucking rocks on that song. Yeah, it's so it's great. Fun to play too. There's not a whole lot to it. Yeah. But it, it just, yeah. it's got a, I think it's just the groove makes it fun. Do y'all do a big, do y'all do big, big love? No. We're only, we're doing. That's a dope a song, man. short show. I think we're, it's only like a 45 minute. Okay. Uh, set. Okay. So we're doing the chain. Do y'all do Sarah? Um, I, They might be adding that one. There's a couple of things going on. Sort of in the background. Sarah is my Stevie Nicks jam. Like we're getting off topic with guitars <laughs> here, but Sarah's a fucking awesome song. Like that—that that to me was like, like uh, Stevie Nicks took dreams and then took it to like even further with Sarah. Ah. Like that's that's a killer song. I love that song, man. Do you notice how? Uh, please tell me you've seen this video of the Fleetwood Mac guy drinking the ocean spray on his skateboard, holding on to the pickup truck. Oh, no, you have to see that. He's, he, it, I think it, it surfaced on TikTok, <laughs> and it's just gone completely viral. Oh, shit. So it's this, it's this dude <laughs> in a gray hoodie and you can tell he's, just, he's holding on to the back of, of a vehicle of some kind. Right. And he's clearly on a skateboard what? and dreams is playing in the background. <laughs> when it gets to yes. uh, it gets to a certain line and he just looks into the camera and lip syncs along and he just looks sublimely happy and this thing is just blown <laughs> up even uh, Mick Fleetwood, Mick oh, Fleetwood shit. made his own version of the video which and it's like it's on Instagram <laughs> which is pretty cool for like a 73 year old drummer yeah Right. I, I just saw that. Uh, well, Mick Fleetwood, Ocean man, Spray gave him like a brand new truck 
Because I guess the, the whole reason he was in that oh. situation is his truck broke down and someone was giving him a ride somewhere. Like, it's just like, yeah, hold on. You know, oh, ride shit. a skateboard or whatever. Yeah. Look it up. Right. Just look up Fleetwood Mac guy, and I'm sure you'll find it. It's it's absolutely hysterical. Okay. As, dude, when he All starts right, lip syncing. That's, that's on to my dreams, watch list. It's, it's that third line, too. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, shit, I forget what, what it is. Uh, um, it's damn. only right that you should play the way you feel it. Ha- that line. That's right. The, yes, that's yes. the one. Because you, yeah, you yeah, never yeah. see it coming. You're like, all right. Yeah. Here's a, this right. guy's just like skateboarding. Okay. And he takes this monster swig of ocean spray <laughs> right before it. As soon as he pulls it away from his Why? mouth, like he just out of nowhere looks right at the camera and, and lip syncs that line. <laughs> it's so great. That's amazing, man. Wow. Well, all right, man. We're uh, we're gonna. Oh yeah, time. I guess we are. But uh, well, we might yeah. have to do a sequel to this Shit. one because there's so uh, many other guitar players to talk about. Oh yeah, like I I have like the top 100 list from like Rolling Stone. I was gonna like start going through names, but well, you know, yeah. that's just how it'd be sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Reminded me of a stupid poem. <laughs> uh, these. These things right. always pop up around Valentine's Day. You always see variations on the Roses of the Red poem. And I laughed right. way too hard when I saw <laughs> Roses are Red, Violets are Blue. It don't always be like that, but sometimes it do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It That's amazing. Me. Like my, my wife thought I had completely gone insane. And maybe I have. I don't know. She could be right. I mean, we're all going You're gonna through it. You're going to think man. of that randomly in public and start laughing, and you're not going to be able to explain to anybody why you're laughing. It's going to be awesome. Well, thank you're you for welcome. that. And uh, on that note, uh, thank you, Danny, for being My on the pleasure. show. Uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, we'll definitely have to do it again all soon. Right, man. Yeah, when is uh your next Fleetwood Mac show? Is that going to be doing, we're doing we're doing one or? show, and it is the day before Halloween. So I've got to come up with some way to look like a zombie Lindsey Buckingham between now and then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, ch- challenge accepted. <laughs> so <laughs> thrift store, here I come. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll look for a wig for you. You gotta have the, my hair's almost there, the man. Curly like, fro. I haven't cut it since before COVID, so uh, I'm almost there. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, well, shit, you I might not even need it, man. <laughs> shit. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll Sounds talk good, to you brother. soon. Later. All right, man.